but you embrace it and it's fun to help such an array of people. And you start to really, when you, I feel like I got this whole new understanding of like truly wanting to help people and get them into a house. And you start to do that in your first year and you start to see lives changed and you start to see clients, past clients come back and you see the equity and where they're going to take their life. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, this isn't just real estate. It's a lot more than that to me. Welcome to the Real Better Life podcast, where people that are writing stories worth telling share their knowledge, wisdom, and perspective to help you go further, faster as you move to your better life. Over to your hosts, Dave Ness and Rob Alkema. Well, here we are again, back in the studio, episode 22 of the Real Better Life podcast. And today we get to do one of our favorite kinds of episodes. And what I mean by that is Dave and I love when we get to interview somebody from the real estate industry, whether that's somebody from a different brokerage or if it's one of our very own at Thrive, which is what we get to do today. So we're going to hear from Anna Peterson, who's been in real estate for about two and a half years. And we're going to hear about her start in real estate, how she made the decision to jump into the career. What are some of the things that helped her to be successful, but also what are some of the challenges that she had to overcome? And so some of the themes you're going to hear today are the importance of having a really dialed in morning routine. You're going to hear this theme of just putting in the work and there is no special sauce. You just got to do the work. We're going to hear about keeping the big picture in mind and not getting too caught up in what's going on short term. We're going to hear about staying grounded in your faith life and the things that really help you be the best version of yourself. And then we're also going to hear about not taking things too seriously, right? And as Anna would put it, you just got to chill. You just got to relax. And lastly, probably my favorite thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk a lot about the power of relationships. And that's definitely a huge driver for Anna. And one of the things that creates a lot of meaning and purpose, both in her business, as well as in her personal life. So with that, let's dive into the episode. Hey, everybody. Got Rob Alkama here and myself, Dave Ness, on another episode of the Better Life Podcast. The real Better Life Thank Podcast. Thank you. So, so it's um, funny, the last episode, you actually said the Better Life Podcast. Yeah. And I was like, well, it is the Better Life Podcast, but Brandon Turner also has the Better Life Podcast. And he's got oh, a few, right. he's got a few hundred thousand followers. We got a, we got a few dozen. We have, we have three. <laughs> it's the three of us yeah. in this room right now. <laughs> you know, I guess I didn't have an excuse last month, but this month, one of the reasons I'd skip that is because I'm not drinking. <laughs> So I think I have an excuse. So you're off your game. <laughs> so I'm off my game. I don't even know what the title of this podcast is. Listen, we don't the real you, better life podcast. We don't want you guys to get confused with somebody who's much more successful than we are. <laughs> <laughs> we we want to be sure to differentiate right. ourselves. There's full disclosure. There it is. So here we are, and we have an amazing guest today. Super excited to spend time with Anna Peterson, mm. formerly Anna Eddie. Good job. Good I job just got, right. uh, I, I got Nailed that right. It. Yeah. Formerly Anna Eddie, but married Kyle Peterson. So yeah, we've got the dynamic duo at Thrive Real Estate Group. Couldn't be happier to have both of them. But today specifically, we want to get to know Anna a little bit better. She's got an incredible story and just lots of different nuggets, I think, to share. And yep. I think her performance and what you've done shows that clearly. And you got back from your honeymoon how many days ago? Uh, about a week ago. <laughs> yep. Here we are. <laughs> right back to it. Boom. In, in the podcast. <laughs> right. I love it. Cheers to, cheers to that. Cheers. There we <laughs> go. There's the clink. <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> All right, so let's get started. Let's dive right in. You want to kick off? Yeah, we always start with what do we want people to take away from this? And I'll be really brief, but these are some of our favorite episodes. I don't know if they're everybody else's favorites to listen to, <laughs> but who doesn't love a great story? Yeah. And you certainly have a great story. In fact, we both came back from your wedding and both commented on, oh, once you meet Anna's family, it makes a lot of sense why she's so <laughs> successful. It's totally. just like, we felt like we understood you a lot better like mm -hmm. just learning more about your background and your family and you have amazing people around you. So we just want to hear about what are all the things, you know, what were all the years of helping you become quote unquote an overnight success in real estate? And then we want to talk about some of the keys that have helped you be really successful and what does successful even mean? And we'll get into that. And then also what were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome on your way to achieving the successes you have and hitting the goals that you've already accomplished? So to kick things off, why don't you tell us a little bit about life before real estate? Like, yeah, what would you want people to know about your backstory? And then we'll get into, obviously, how you transitioned into real estate. Yeah, Cool. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I am originally from Minnesota, a small town, but my now husband would say big town since his is much smaller than mine. So when we talk small, how, how like small? Like 30,000. Okay. His is 600, so. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. Dude, that's insane. Yet yeah. another bullet point to make fun of. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> go, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I probably sold insurance there at some point. <laughs> you probably sold books there at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so small town, Minnesota, born and raised there, went to college up in the cities, University of Minnesota, go Gophers. Nice. Wanted to come out to college in Colorado, but didn't want student loans. Mm. So said, I will move the second I graduate. I did about two days after I graduated, moved out to Colorado. Nice. Been out here for about seven years now. Jumped into the sports world, started as an intern working 28 hours a week, $9 an hour, um, <laughs> not living paycheck to paycheck, not even Dude. making it paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> That's, That's actually more than the average agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> not at Thrive, just in general, yeah, just, average yeah, yeah, agent, yeah. just to clarify. <laughs> So that was, that was great. Did that for about four years. Realized how passionate am I truly about sports? And the answer was not as passionate as I thought. Yep. <laughs> so I could either work all the time, not make what I was hoping to make, or hustle like I was in sports and make more. So my aunt back in Minnesota uh, said, you should go for your license. And I said, all right, I'll try it. Got my license, didn't do anything for a year because I had a cushion of a full-time job. And finally said, I can't do this anymore. Quit and went for it. Mm. Interesting. So good. So you went through, because getting your license is not easy, right? especially in Colorado. Yeah. So you got your license and you didn't do anything for it. Like, that's a big commitment to pay the money and put in the time. And I 100% paid the money <laughs> at yeah. a broker. <laughs> yeah. So you were pretty serious about this. Why? <laughs> I just had a feeling that my future was going to look different than what the path I was on. Mm. But I think the fear of losing the paycheck that I was getting got in the way and then just had a breakdown and thought, okay, the future that I'm seeing is not what I want. And I want flexibility when I'm a mom and have a family to still have a part-time job or still be in real estate or still have that opportunity to work, but also be part-time and choose my own hours. And sports was the exact opposite of that. Uh, so it was either start now or start then and starting now felt a lot easier than starting then. Yeah. And then what was the catalytic event to 
finally making the transition. COVID. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. the fun part of sports was taken away. So the games and concerts and the uh, perks of the job. Yeah. So we were mostly, I wasn't working. I didn't have overtime pay or anything like that. And it just became not what the fun part was gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. so then it just became, okay, this is just a job. This is just so, a job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you already had your license at that point. And so that's like gnawing at you. The yeah. entire time, I would imagine. I was doing open houses every now and then. Okay. That they probably thought I was a stranger off the street. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. <laughs> I had nothing. There was no preparation. I just showed up and put a sign outside. Love it. And hoped for the best. <laughs> and the best never came. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Follow-up question was the, there's probably other people that are listening that also can identify with the, I put in quotes, the fear of losing a paycheck. Because it's consistent and it's predictable mm-hmm. and it's something that you can rely on and you can project and you can say in the next six weeks, I'm certainly going to make X amount of money. Yep. So then you can budget by that. You can kind of look forward and go, okay, this is what I can and cannot do with my world, with my life. Mm-hmm. So was it that the pain of the current situation that you had with your job and all the fun parts and the, the connecting parts and the people, all that was taken away, the pain became greater than the fear? A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And then the fear was either again, if I do this now or with a family, what's more scary and Mm. doing it now with no responsibility behind me. Yeah. Felt like mine as well. What do I have to lose at the end of the day? Yeah. Like in the future, raising kids is hard, but all you have to do right now is raise a husband. And at the time I didn't even have a husband (laughs) or a boyfriend. (laughs) Particularly Kyle. Correct. Uh, Kyle, sorry. You're going to have a few jokes during this episode. So if I start backing down on production, that is why I'm raising him. Yeah. Someone's got to feed the Kyle. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, those eight eggs every morning are going to catch up. (laughs) So good. Okay. That actually makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure other people can identify with that. And especially if you're there right now, like you want to want to get into real estate, you might be listening to this and going, I, I want to get into real estate. Maybe you already have your license even. Can we touch on one thing? Because yeah. this actually came up for you this past week. We talked about it like yesterday or the day before. You were talking to somebody who's been interviewing with us and they asked about getting into the market right now. And so it just mm-hmm. hit me like you left during COVID, which means you got into real estate during COVID, mm-hmm. which is a pretty scary time you yeah. know, when the governor says... You literally can't do showings. <laughs> you can do real estate. You can do everything. You just can't do showings or closings. Yeah. And so talk about that. <laughs> okay. Talk about <laughs> walking into real estate at that moment where I think that was far from an ideal market, right? Yeah. And then, and then the time after that turned out to be gangbusters, but who could have possibly predicted that? So talk about that for a second. Like, what was that first year like for you transitioning into real estate? What were the mm-hmm. highlights? What were the lowlights? And what was it like getting started in this very uncertain, unprecedented scary market that you started in. Mm-hmm. So I started actually August of 2021. So I got my license 2020. That was the whole year that I, th- ah, yeah. which I think also the craziness of the world probably was a factor in that. Mm-hmm. But I started, yeah, August of 2021, just as an individual agent. Did that for about 30 days <laughs> and got nowhere and felt like I just wasted 30 days of my life. <laughs> So I thought I'm going to join a team, learn quick, get experience and build my database. I pulled out a certain amount of savings and had three months to make something happen. And I got to the end of that three months 
and had my first closing and got the exact amount that I pulled out. Wow. Oh, wow. And I sat wow. in my, yeah, <laughs> I sat in my car, looked at the check, cried and uh, thought, all right, I got another three months. Let's go. <laughs> bought myself another 90 days. I just days. bought myself another 90 days. Yeah. Incredible. And kept going and hasn't, haven't stopped since. Dude, Love give me chills. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Talk about that. Dude. So good. Crazy. Not to say it wasn't a whirlwind and very stressful in this moment, but of course it worked out. Well, yeah. so how many transactions did you do in your first 12 months? Do you recall? I did 18. Okay. In my first, it was from September to December. Yep. Like ah, September of okay. 2021 to December of 2022. Two. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit over a year. Yeah, so about 18, 15 yeah. months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. What went really well? for you that you look mm-hmm. back and you're like, wow, really glad that I did that during my first year. Stuff that helped you get off to a strong start. And then what are things that you look back and go, well, if I had a do-over, I would definitely do that differently. I'll jump into just to, because we have to unpack the 18 just for a hot second, because that's totally incredible, right? I mean, <laughs> I think most agents get into real estate and they're thinking if I eke out three, four transactions in their first year, that would mm-hmm. be a success, right? Like if I minimize my losses in terms of the money I have to outlay in order to do this, or at least just break even, that would be big, right? Yeah. And so I think when when people hear 18, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, that, like, how many people actually do that? And that's crazy. She must be the silver tongue saleswoman or <laughs> have a ton of experience or, you know, whatever. So definitely spend some time talking about, like, the one, two, three things that you think are, like, bedrock in terms of, like, when someone's listening to that and they go, how's that even possible? Like, mm-hmm. is, that, is that real? And it is real, by the way, for our <laughs> listeners. But, yeah, and <laughs> What are the bedrock principles? Good point to pause on that because yeah. as of last year, if you did 10 transactions in a year, you were in the top 5% of all realtors in the state of Colorado. Yeah. Wow. Right. So you did 18 in your first year, which, by the way, if you do th- roughly 30, 32 transactions in a year, you're in the top 1% of all realtors in state of Colorado. Yeah. So, yeah. So go. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth transition. (laughs) Tell us us all the secrets. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I feel like I honestly like blacked out the first year. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm thinking Will Ferrell from old school. (laughs) (laughs) So I gotta, I gotta think about this. I would say, I mean, first year, it's just working hard. You do not, I never acted like I knew everything, but faked it until I made it. And luckily I was a part of a team that helped with questions along the way. Mm. But it was for sure just, I am not, if I'm quitting a full-time job and I'm going for this, I'm not going to fail at this. Mm. So the actions that they're telling me that I need to do, I'm just going to do them and hope that the rest follows. And luckily... It did. <laughs> yeah. So I would say mostly just doing the work. I think that owning your own business, it's a lot harder to get yourself to do things. Yeah. Especially in real estate when a lot of it feels really scary your first year. Yeah. Where here it was like, just go in and do it. The anxiety of not doing it was worse for me than the anxiety of doing it. Oh, interesting. So I got to write that down. Yeah. Say that was, again. I was just writing the, that down as well. Yeah. The anxiety of not doing it was worse for me than the anxiety of doing it. Okay. So if I had to make a hundred calls, but I didn't, I'd have anxiety over not doing it versus just doing it, at least laying my head on the pillow at night, knowing I, I did what I had to do for the day. That's fantastic. Love that. Cool. And we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Actually, do you have any time in your schedule to do personal coaching? Yeah. I, I could use that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Me too, probably. One thing, one thing I want to go back to, though, when you say work hard, it's so oversimplified, which is why it gets missed. 
and people hear it and they go, yeah, yeah, work hard. So really quick, what does work hard mean for you? Roughly, when do you wake up in the morning? Like just kind of in general? I would say around like 6, 6.30. Okay, so what mm-hmm. does work hard mean between 6 and 9? The reason I'm asking that specifically is because yesterday I was in a Tom Ferry conference and learning and sharpening the saw. And one of the things that they really stressed was the morning routine, right? Mm-hmm. And like, what does that look like? And what do you do? Because that kind of sets up your entire day. So what do you do? And what does it look like to work hard between the hours of six and nine? And just by saying when you woke up or when you wake up, you're already answered one, which is you wake up at six, right? Or 6.30 or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you said. Whereas I think a lot of 1099 independent contractor, business owner, whatever you want to call it, because they don't have to be at a certain place at a certain time. Yep. You know, seven, eight, nine, nine thirty, <laughs> ten. You know, before you know it, it's like, right. yeah, I don't like, I don't, I just kind of do whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, we call that unearned flexibility. Yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I love that. So, talk about what just in general, like, what does your day look like, and what does it mean to work hard between the hours of when you wake up and nine, ten o'clock? Yeah, first year I would say I read Miracle Morning, the book. So my first year, I actually probably woke up around like five, five thirty. <laughs> Love it. So hate to say now it's 6, 6.30. But work out in the morning. Try to at least every morning. Didn't this morning. So we're not perfect over here. Not perfect. But work out. And then what's my most valuable time is journaling and getting into the Bible for me. Writing down just what I need, what I feel like I need and getting wisdom in that, that way to start my day off. And then coffee and getting into work at by 9 a.m., if not earlier, but I never try to start later than 9 a.m. Okay, so 9 a.m. is kind of like, it's go time. It's go time. Like yeah. the, the bell just went off and it's time to rock. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm clocking so, in. So good. And then what? Yeah. And then typically it is follow-up right away in the morning, checking my email, catching up from anything. I would say first year I, I was answering clients at all times. Now I'm a little bit more... I have my schedule dialed in where if it's 9 p.m., I don't have to answer them until the morning versus answering at 11 p.m. And in doing so, you train them (laughs) when you'll respond and then it becomes normal. And then it becomes normal. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't train them, it gets out of control. And I dealt with that my first year. (laughs) So doing any follow-up from that and then as well as tasks that we have, we have our CRM follow-up boss. So live and die by by the tasks and getting those out of the way. And then afternoon is showings or appointments or meetings or anything along those lines. Sometimes that's flops. You can't fully control it. So might have meetings in the morning and follow up in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I would say I used to be really bad at sitting at my desk all day, even though I didn't have eight hours of work to do. Okay. (laughs) Where now if I get my tasks done and it's from nine to 11, then I give myself freedom to go do what I need to do, grocery shop, laundry, whatever that might be. Uh, Where before it was, I have to sit here till 5 p.m. because I was used to a a nine to five. Where now I I give myself more freedom to get my stuff done and then live my life. You make a to-do list and like, okay. Yeah, to-do list, work, personal, and whatever else I label them differently on my to-do list. And then how many things are typically on that for you on a day? Oh, never ending. (laughs) 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 The to-do list is like a week to-do list and I just keep adding to it. Even if I do a task and it's not on the to-do list, I'll add it just to cross it off. (laughs) (laughs) I do the same thing. It just feels good to cross it off. It just feels good, yeah. so good. (laughs) 
I don't have anything to do today, so I'll just make a list and cross everything off. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, but like with the to-do list, like how do you know when it's okay to go do the grocery shopping and the laundry and the washing the car? Yeah. And, you know, that type of stuff. When the tasks are done in follow-up box. Ah, okay. Yeah, when my follow-up. So I try to have a task set on every lead. So there's never one that's in the dust. That's not perfect, of course, but... Yeah, and this um, is interesting where a lot of people use the smart list feature in follow-up boss. You like attaching a task to each one of the clients that you're working with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's super interesting and powerful about what you just said is it sounded like if I if I understood it right, your first year, you kind of changed yourself to your desk, right? I mean, it yeah. was it was like I'm I'm just here nine to five because that's what I'm used to and that's what I've seen work. And that's I don't think most people think about it that way. In other words, you didn't give yourself the freedom to go, you know what? I'm good. I've knocked out my morning routine. I've knocked out all my follow-up, all my calls, everything that needed to happen. And now, yeah, I'm gonna take an hour and a half and do the dry cleaning and maybe take a walk and just do some of the things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. But you only gave yourself permission to do that after the discipline, the hard discipline of the first year of making sure that the work got done. So it was like something about your awareness gave, you said to yourself, Anna, you don't get that freedom until you've developed the discipline. And I feel like a lot of people short circuit that. And as soon as they get their license, it's like, I'm 1099, immediate freedom. In those situations, it's kind of like, you know, I have a 16 year old daughter, so I'm just going to riff on you, Addison, if you're listening. <laughs> they do listen, by the way. She's in a podcasting class. And she, like, so if we have any have listeners, they're probably at Valor our High School. Yeah, our listeners are all 16, 17-year-old high schoolers. Perfect. Get into real they estate. Might be, they might be playing this at school. I don't know. It's actually probably a good recruiting plan for yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but it's like giving a 16-year-old just carte blanche, like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Yeah. That's not going to end well. Like, we all know that, right? Oh. And so there, there has to be, but you were able to put those parameters on yourself because you probably knew and realized if I don't put those parameters on myself, this is going to run amok. This is just going to run wild. Yeah. And so, man, for listeners, that's like, if you're looking for a takeaway, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, do not give yourself permissions or luxuries or freedoms until you've developed the discipline so that you can return back yeah. to it, right? Because if you walk the dog and pick up the dry cleaning, that can quickly run into five o'clock. Yep. And then five o'clock clocked out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then your whole day is done. Yeah. Yeah, It's huge. Well, we're our own employer. So if I have an employee that I hired and they're leaving at noon without their tasks done, I'm not going to be happy about it. So it's the same thing for myself. Yeah. Of I want to be a good employee for myself. (laughs) Yes. So. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes we joke about that. It's almost like we have to, in this industry, we have to be uh like a split personality. Yeah. With like schizophrenia almost. <laughs> it's like on the one hand, you're the boss. And on the other hand, you're the employee. And you have to learn how to be both a good employee and you have to learn how to be a good boss mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And it's when you're a W-2 employee, you're only really focused on that part of it. Not really yeah. worried about the boss part of it. Yep. But in this world, crazy world we call real estate, you're both. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Let's see, talk about Going back to those 18 transactions in your first year, roughly. Yeah. Where did most of those come from? Did they come from open houses? Did they come from leads? Did they come from Sphere? Did they come from some combo of all of the above? Like break that down for us a little bit. Yes. They were, I think I had two Sphere deals and the rest were leads. Okay. Two or three Sphere deals and the rest were leads. Yeah. I remember thinking if I got a Sphere deal when I first started, I don't want it. I'm terrified. (laughs) Why was it? I don't know what my next step is. (laughs) So the leads were really helpful to learn that with a team. 
Where now I'm like, it would be your loss to not work with me. Mm -hmm. Where at first I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to learn somewhere. And so the leads were helpful. How long did it take for you to get rid of the imposter syndrome that everybody has when they're new? I would say the full first year. Every, I mean, even now, every transaction is so different. You're constantly learning. I think even if I'm in the industry for 20 years, I'll get to something and be like, I never knew this was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I would say after a full year looking back and seeing, oh my gosh, I did 18 transactions and I thought one was daunting. Yeah. And then being like, oh, I got this. Why can't I do it again? And then going after it for a year or two. Yeah. What else? I know we've been jumping around a lot, but if you're thinking like highlights and lowlights from that first year, is there anything else that you want to add? Lowlights, I can add. Okay, (laughs) let's do it. The emotional side of real estate really Uh, took me over. Should I grab the tissues? Yeah, (laughs) probably. (laughs) I would say no, just the stress of feeling so gripply, having such a tight grip on your next paycheck and not letting like the fun of real estate be a part of it at all in my first year. It was just like, get to the next paycheck, get to the next paycheck. And I think I held on to that way too tight. And again, if you do the work, it will come. (laughs) And I didn't believe that yet. So I think the emotional roller coaster was a bit out of control for me. How did that holding on so tight, how did that affect you, people around you, relationships? Like how did that unfold? Yeah, I would say relationships were just put on the back burner because it was like, I have to work all the time. I have to get another client. I have to keep going. So they were kind of non-existent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that, of course, takes an emotional toll on yourself because you're like, I haven't done anything fun for months. Yeah. And I, my business, once you let go, your business, I feel like, takes off too. Mm-hmm. So you're holding on to like, oh, my business is okay and I haven't done anything fun and I haven't talked to my friend in months. Yeah. So And then you're kind of sitting there and it feels a little bit lonely. So if you're looking back, what's your advice to someone who's starting now or struggling, maybe they're not starting now, but they've been in the business for three years and they, they're listening to you going, oh, well, I'm living it right now. I, all I do is work 12 hours a day, 14, 16 hours a day, get up, rinse, repeat, feel like I'm in a cul-de-sac, just <laughs> keep on circling, you know, mm-hmm. uh, relationships are suffering. Like what's the invitation or encouragement or challenge to someone who's in that space right now or is about to experience it? I would say to chill. take a deep breath it'll all be fine but also keep going Mm. so if you can have both at the same time yeah because that's such a good question I wanted to go Mm -hmm. there as well like what changed for you that you finally got over that hump I think for me it was like from more of a religious standpoint like God will always provide Mm -hmm. and he's shown that over and over again so why am I still holding on to this and I would literally do like a motion of like dropping (laughs) the stress from my hands yeah. to be like, it'll be, it's fine. It'll all work out. And just not taking it so seriously at yeah. the end of the day. Like, I think it was also this definition of, I know we talked about like, what does success look like? Yes. And I think for me, it's not necessarily a, the amount of money I make or the number of transactions. It's more so the relationships in my life. And you can have both. You can be successful and have relationships. And I was told the uh, the other way, you can't have both mm. for a while. And I believed that and I chose the work side of things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because that's a hard world. That's sort of the ultimate dichotomy in our culture is how do I live lightly while still pursuing excellence at my craft? Mm-hmm. 
right? Which is essentially what you're talking about. And yeah, talk a little bit more about that definition of success. Was that something you were cognizantly aware of? Or is that something that you finally sat down and spent some time with because you got frustrated? Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, I was definitely not aware of it. I sat down, took some time and thought, okay, wait, again, where do I want my life? What does my life look mm. like now? Mm. I think that's part of like being the boss mm. <laughs> of mm. like, what's my review in all of this and being honest with yourself of what that looks like. And so for me, it was, okay, success is actually the relationships in my life. And what does, how can I have that be a part of real estate? And I think a lot of that was just letting go that, again, if you do the work and keep going, you might have a lull here and there, but keep going and it'll come back. And if you focus on what's important in your life, I think everything naturally comes with it. So what does that look like now where, oh gosh, I got to think, you started with us at Thrive 10 months ago? Yeah, it was March, I think. Yeah, March, beginning of March started training. Yeah. Yep. So then you started on leads in April. April. Yep. Okay. So yeah, April to now, 10 months. You've already done 18 transactions at this point. Plus, I don't know how many you have under contract right now. Um, just one right now. <laughs> just one. Just one. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> just 18 transactions. Interest rates are eight and a half percent. Whatever. <laughs> so, so no doubt you're performing at a great level, but you also just got married. You and Kyle have been planning the wedding. You mm-hmm. guys just took a 10-day honeymoon on top of a destination wedding, right? So there's definitely been some living lightly. And I, I don't mean to take away from the stress of like all the planning and still performing at a high level, but like, what is yeah. it? Because I love this, like you can have relational excellence and real estate excellence at the same time. But like, what does that actually look like on a normal week where you're not getting married? Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be for sure, again, having more control over my schedule, Mm -hmm. not being so at the mercy of my clients. And there are times where clients come in and you do have to put that first. Like, okay, if I want this business, I need to go do this. Mm -hmm. And I think being in the business now for two years, I now can read situations better of this client is worth taking this time Mm -hmm. or this client maybe not as much or I can push them to the next day because I have date night tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where before it was like, I am meeting everyone and anyone, which is good to do. I think you should do that. Mm-hmm. But I can better prioritize with my conversations yep. who to go after. Yep. And then it comes with, yeah, just lots and lots of reps. Yeah, experience. You start, you start yeah. to read it and understand what's most important, what's, what can slide down the list a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Do you make a schedule yeah. every week? Like in your Google calendar or a paper planner? Yeah, I like live by my calendar. Okay. For sure, yeah. I don't look at Monday and we're not as great of like date night every Thursday and client meeting this time. I feel like we definitely live sometimes just going through it. But yeah, definitely live by the calendar. If something's on the calendar, I'm not moving it. I used to be more like, I'm moving this event with my friends because I have to meet a client. They can only see it at this time. Ah, okay. So you guys are doing a date night most weeks or every week? Try to. We haven't gotten on a schedule yet. It's been about a week. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Still yeah. yeah. And, then, and then do you plan in like friend time, fun time, downtime? Yeah. We actually were just having a conversation about that last night. What is our, what do we want our weeks to look like in terms of when we hang out or when we see our friends, how often do we want that to look like? So we're starting to be intentional of like what we want that to be. Nice. But the answer we're still figuring out. Okay. Yeah. Good. I don't know if everybody caught this, but like 
so Kyle is also an advisor here at yeah. Thrive. Yeah. So if you're new to Thrive and you're wondering who's this Kyle guy, you'll meet yeah. him at some point. Yeah. Um, and, and we've given him a lot of crap on this podcast yeah. so far, but he's really good. <laughs> he <laughs> is my better half. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. incredible. <laughs> awesome. If you're looking back, and I know you named some of the hard things, like the kind of the dark moments of your first year. So what's one thing that you would have done more of for your first year? Mm -hmm. And maybe even now, like it doesn't have to be limited to your first year, but what's something that you would do more of? And you're even thinking maybe like this year, if you're thinking back to the end of last year and going, yeah, my business plan, I really wanted to do more of this. And then what's something you look back on and go, you know, I actually thought that was going to be like super, super important. And it really wasn't. Like Mm -hmm. it was kind of like if I was coaching somebody, I would tell them, don't worry about doing that. Yeah. This year, my goal is to do more of asking for referrals and pushing that side of the business. Yeah. Because we work so hard, especially at Thrive, being focused on relationships. And we build those and we do that. And so it's a huge missed opportunity, I feel like. And now I'm at the point where, again, I'm like, well, it would suck not to work with me versus before I was like... (laughs) I could do well, but I don't know if I'm the best one out. Like, uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes in the first year. Now it's like, you're uh, an idiot if you don't. Yeah, now I have like the confidence <laughs> yeah. of like, let's do this. Yeah. So I want to push that more this year. Nice. Especially because we have so many opportunities at BAT for that, especially for what's coming in from like a lead perspective and yeah. meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was the second? The second one was just looking back and going, you know, I did X quite a bit my first year Mm. and either wasn't effective or it just didn't work or I really didn't like it. You know, just we all have to do things we don't like, but uh, you look back and go, yeah, I wish I would have done a little less of that. Yeah. This is probably not the best real estate answer, but (laughs) (laughs) okay, open houses. (laughs) I just learned that is not that part of business that I thrive in or want to be thriving in and I can do it, still get business without those. I think they're amazing for people who are good at it and want to do open houses and have the full plan. But for me, maybe it's I'm scarred from when I tried to do it when I had my job. (laughs) (laughs) So like haunting me. Yeah, (laughs) She's got PTSD. I I do. I have PTSD (laughs) from pushing those my first year and like hoping for the best. So good. Yeah. PTOHD. Yeah. Post traumatic open house disorder. Yes. That's so good. Diagnosing. We're totally going to trademark that. It's beautiful. You know, the nugget out of that though, and I get it, like you're on a podcast and you're like, I don't know if I should say this yeah. <laughs> because we promote open houses, of course. Yeah, they're so great. They're great. Yeah. great way to meet people. Mm-hmm. But the nugget really is actually tied to, I believe the, was it the last episode we did or maybe the second the, to last? The archetypes, yeah. Yeah, the agent archetypes. And so yep. if you haven't listened to that episode, shameless self-promotion, <laughs> uh, when you get done with this one, you got to go back to that one and listen because I'll just give it like a 20-second overview. There's really four agent archetypes that we talk about. And each archetype has activities that lend themselves to that archetype. Mm-hmm. And what I think what we don't do a good job at in real estate as an industry, just in general, is helping people to identify what their agent archetype is. It's kind of like a personality type. Yeah. It doesn't mean that that's the only thing you're ever going to do. Obviously, there's a little bit of all the archetypes in being an agent. Like you're, you're going to do five to 10% of all of them at some level. But knowing what really is fun to you and exciting and engaging and, and things mm-hmm. that you actually enjoy doing, it, that's like half the battle. And that tool from T360 makes it so clear where you are on that agent archetype model and then and then clarifies, okay, so how do you double down on 
that. And yours just happens to be one that doesn't lend itself to open houses. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the strategy is wrong or the tool is bad or the, the tactic isn't good. It yeah. just means that your agent archetype just doesn't lend itself to that. But there's other things that you go, however, I crush it over here and I love doing you know X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like I wrote down when you said that it's not your sweet spot. Yeah. Right. And so that's incredibly important to know what is in your sweet spot, what's not in your sweet spot, and then play to your strengths. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. there's this myth out there of like, I should be doing more than I am. And maybe that's warranted if you're just not trying hard. But the reality is, is that you're actually going to get more done by being more narrow than you are by being more broad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And instead of doing a bunch of stuff because you feel like I should or I'm supposed to, or I'm, I'm a loser if I don't. Or it's I just heard just, a coach say that or totally. Tom Ferry. Or you, yeah, yeah, you hear all this stuff and, and you're like, oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing that. And I'm not doing this. And it's just like, no, look at where you get the bulk of your results from and the stuff you enjoy doing, mm-hmm. right? And I want to bring this back around because the word that keeps coming up is relationships. And we talked about this a little bit before we jumped on here. Yeah. But I probably wrote this down poorly, but you said really the theme of your business has become relationships. And you said... A lot of agents make it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. (laughs) So unpack that for us. Yeah, I think they try to do everything possible because we get, it's so noisy out there with Tom Ferry and all the advice that we're getting, which is great advice at the end of the day. And the first year I did do everything and it became very exhausting very quickly Mm. where I did realize one of my strengths is just relationships and taking the business that we do have, the opportunities we do have and really forming those Because every client you get is the next opportunity. And I think stepping away from the mindset of just getting to a closing table, it's more of this is a lot more than that. (laughs) And a lot of them are really great. And a lot of them can be really weird too. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the public. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to the public. But you embrace it and it's fun to help such an array of people. And you start to really, when you, I feel like I got this whole new understanding of like truly wanting to help people and get them into a house and you start to do that in your first year and you start to see lives changed and you start to see clients, past clients come back and you see the equity and where they're going to take their life. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, this isn't just real estate. It's a lot more than that to me. Mm, So good. Yeah, that's amazing. Because the subject matter of real estate is important. Obviously, there's legal repercussions. There's strategy implications, tactical, business, all those things. Yeah. But the core of it at the end of the day is relational capital. Yeah. I mean, that's really what drives everything. And if it doesn't, if if you're a listener or even here at Thrive and you feel like you're on the, you know, the treadmill, just transaction, 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 I totally agree. It's, it is exhausting because then there's, the reason it's exhausting is because there's nothing more than just the transaction. There's no relational connection. There's no future relationship. And it's just rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And even if it's profitable, it's not nearly as exciting at at best and and at worst it can be really disorienting and Mm -hmm. exhausting. Yeah. I think I realized that when I showed up to a closing and my client also got me a gift. Yes. And I was like, oh, wait, this is like (laughs) this can be a two way (laughs) thing. This could be a two way thing. That's amazing. (laughs) It's really, really big. This isn't just me working for you. This is more than that. And this all of a sudden became more fun. Yeah. That's good. You also said something that stuck with me and I wrote this down. I wanted to come back to this. You said When it comes to successful agents, you've seen that there's really no special sauce, right? So talk about that more. Yeah. I feel like you can listen to like podcast on podcast and or advice on advice. And it's just, I think people look at successful agents and think, what are they doing? They're just doing the work. 
I feel like is what I have found over and over again. Yeah. And so I think people think there's more to it, but there really isn't. <laughs> That's such a mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and this is such a dumb question, but like they're just doing the work. Like, yeah. What does that mean? Is it just lead follow-up? Is it prospecting? Is it showings? Is it like, what do you mean when you say that? All of that. I would say, yeah, follow-up, being on leads and staying on leads, creating the relationships, caring about your clients, just waking up, having your to-do list and crossing it off. So good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I had this written down. Go back to that. You said being on leads and staying on leads. And yeah. it's this staying on leads part that, <laughs> that's hard. So um, here's what I had written down. Like, what would you say to, this is a common thing, right? More common than maybe people realize. What would you say to people that get sick of working leads because of the chaos of leads, the urgency of leads, the lower split because it's company-generated business rather than self-generated business. Or there's a, a lot higher accountability that comes with leads mm -hmm. than when you're just generating your own stuff. So yeah, talk more about that on what would you say to somebody who's maybe struggling with some of those, what's the right word? Some of the hangups or some of the baggage of being on leads for- Or burnout a, a, almost. Yeah, from, there you go. Because when sure. you're on it for a year or two or three, like those are normal- thoughts to have. Those are normal objections yeah. that I think people encounter. Yeah. So what would you say to that? Again, I feel like pretty simple, like change your mindset. <laughs> if you don't want to be on leads, then don't be on leads. But at the end of the day, like there's no way I would have gotten 18 transactions in my first year without that or learned the amount of knowledge that I learned from that. And so the mindset is not like, oh, I have another lead. I have to go meet at a house that might not work out. It's like, oh, I have another opportunity to build a relationship. Mm. And I think it's really easy when it comes to burnout to be, and I've been there. I've totally been there where I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of meeting these leads. I'm exhausted. And, and you can take a second. You can recognize that. Again, your own boss. So be honest with yourself. But I would say it's just, yeah, changing the mindset of these are opportunities and what's your end goal in this business. And mine is to build, build a database, help more people and get, you know, to more of the sphere portion eventually. But at the end of the day, even if I have a sphere business and I want to get on leads, like still great opportunities. Mm. Yeah. And it's not that hard. <laughs> Too. <laughs> like, I promise I did not I did not ask her to yeah. say that. Preach. Preach. I know. You were going to say something as well. What was it? <laughs> no, as, as along those same lines, uh, I, I felt like yeah, sometimes in you know in our program which we call the Rise program, the Relentlessly yeah. in Search of Excellence, there's three phases. It goes base camp, ascent, up to summit, to nod to Colorado, mountain climbing of course. Mm -hmm. But base camp is all about getting in and developing a database. But that's not the end. Like, that's not the end point. The point is to, yes, develop the database so that then you have people to nurture, people to move into the Ascent program, mm -hmm. repeats, referrals, and kind of more of a long-term business. Yeah. And it, yeah, I just, I appreciate what you just said because I think a lot of times, and I'm guilty too, I think we're probably all guilty, we just get a little over the tips of our skis, right? We're just, we want to yeah. move a little too fast, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm going to rip on my daughter again. She's 16 <laughs> and she wants to go to college like today. And I'm like, it's, 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 it's coming, it's coming. You know, is it, don't yeah. like, we'll get there, we'll get there. And so, you know, it's that whole concept of, yeah, we got to play the short game, but we need to be able to see the long game. And I think you have a really good ability to see the long game. I would agree. Yet play the short game. Like 
this is what I got to do today. Hence the checklist, hence the employer and the employee, hence the morning routine. I got to do this today, but it is building to something that I have in my mind's eye. And you've probably got it written down as well Mm -hmm. um, that I'm moving towards and it'll come. But I get to be, I get to be, not I have to be, but I get to be in the place that I am now. And I'm going to execute really, really well on that. Yeah. And the, I think for two and human nature, seeing the different categories or base camp to summit, mm-hmm. human nature, it's like, that feels really daunting. Mm. And it's flipping that to, I'm going to get there a lot quicker with all these opportunities than without them. Mm. And I have an end goal now. I think actually for me, it was motivating to see that. Knowing like, oh, if I get to that transaction number and I build my relationships, the most likely that's what will happen versus there wasn't really a number ahead of me. Mm. It was just like maybe year five. Now it's like, let's just get to that number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was almost more motivating for me than it was. Love it. Yeah. Like, oh crap, I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. It demark, demarks a time and space to say, and I love what you said, it's not just about the transaction number. It's about the relationships that are built mm-hmm. into the transaction number. Because you could yeah. get to 200 closings, and it sounds weird to say, but you could get to 200 closings and still not be in the summit program. Yeah. Because you didn't build the relationships along I the way. I talk to those people all the time. Right? Yeah. And 200 to 1,000 transactions, and they're still looking to change brokerages and get on leads because they don't have as many repeats and referrals as they want. Because yeah. it was it was a transaction. It was 200 transactions. It wasn't 200 relationships. It might have only been yeah. 20 relationships. Right. Right. And that's a scary place to be. Yeah. So yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like that old saying, you know, like you have 10 years of experience or one year of experience repeated 10 times. Mm. Yeah. Right. And so I like how you approach all of this, like Dave said, with the long-term perspective and the end goal in mind, but you're still able to to play the short game and be very focused in the in the short term. Yeah. yeah. So good. This is probably a pretty good spot to wrap up. Did we leave anything out that we should talk about before we jump off? We only made fun of Kyle twice. I feel like we should have <laughs> one more. <laughs> I just can't think of anything right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't either. He's too impressive. You have to challenge him to be next <laughs> on the podcast. Oh, we oh definitely yeah. get him on here. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Kyle, why are you letting your wife beat you? Yeah. <laughs> the first it's podcast. About to kill Come on, honey. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's really buff. He's really good looking. He's really successful. He's, He's really unbelievably fun. dialed for being in his early 20s. Like, yeah, yeah it's a struggle to pick on him for much. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, man, this, is, this has been... So awesome. Yeah. Is there one last parting piece of advice or words of wisdom that you'd want to share? I would just say if you're thinking about jumping into real estate or quitting your full-time job, I would honestly say just do it. I would never turn back mm-hmm. at this point. So if you need that extra push, here it is. Nice. Love so. it. Yeah, it's so good. What a great way to wrap up. I know. I got <laughs> I got a page full of nuggets here that <laughs> if, if you don't mind, you're probably going to get bored, but I'm probably going to repeat a lot of what you said at the next company meeting. <laughs> You'd be like, that was mine. Yeah. But, you know, that's, you know, I heard, uh, what was it? Oh, Tom Ferry yesterday said, um, he said something and he's like, this is R&D in real estate. It's R&D. Rip off and distribute. <laughs> yeah, I love I was that. Like, that. Don't that, reinvent the that, wheel. That's what I do. That should be my, yeah. I love that. <laughs> right. So good, but. <laughs> no, you're, you've been awesome. Thanks for being here. And thanks for yeah, turning your whole life towards Thrive and what we're up to here. And it's an awesome partnership to have you here. I'm and happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Right on. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Till next time. Yep. Cheers. Cheers.